All right, folks. So this week's podcast, again on a Thursday, we decided. Um, was it like last week or like last week and so a half ago? When we were ago, dying of the Rona. When we were dying of the Rona, we decided we'd uh, cut down on the sort of weekly live shows because they were kind of rubbish Aye. a lot of the time. So uh, we thought we'd just concentrate on getting guests on because these are like the, the best, the best podcasts. That's right, yeah. And I really enjoy them a lot more than kind of having to get away humph my way through a live show because it's, it's absolutely. Although pointless. to be fair, I, I I seem to be much better than you. Okay. Just generally. Okay. No. Right, okay. Okay. So we've got an interesting guest this week. We've got Paul Bogie, who's a book out right now, called From Heroin to Hero. And we have him on the line. How are you doing, Paul? Hi, guys. How are you? We are fantastic, man. You're great, eh? Happy to have you on. We noticed them. Um, we know she'd post her, post her up on a bunch of like podcast groups and stuff on Facebook, and that's how I was able to get in touch with you there. I just done that. I just done that last week, and I've had a brilliant reaction so far. Um, I'm, actually, I'm actually doing a podcast in Florida later tonight, so um, I'm certainly getting myself about. Definitely, because that's one of the biggest things, because, again, as podcasters, we're always looking for new people, especially us, like, we're always, like, we try to focus on, like, people, like, with the traditional 95 jobs and stuff like that, and you had, like, quite an interesting story, so I thought you'd be a, a great guy to get on. And you're from Edinburgh, Edinburgh fairly local to us as well, so. Yeah, yeah I'm, cu- I'm currently in Blingry, and in, in Fife. I've just moved here just over a year. Right. Oh, right. Cool. So you're just up the road for us. We're oh, you're quite close to us now. Aye. You there? Yeah, so, uh, it's breaking up a wee bit there. Uh, sorry, I was just saying uh, we're fake anyway. We're just like down the road a wee bit. Oh, no, far away. Ah, so right, let's go back to the beginning. Let's say let's talk about you. And so, what started this story off, man? Well, when I when I was eighteen, um, I was unfortunate enough to get myself muddled up with heroin. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I was on heroin for another drugs, but for seven years, um, it took from my life. And when I was twenty five years old, I turned it round and started to get fit. Then. I want to do something with this newfound fitness, and then that's when I decided that I would join the army, mm-hmm. uh, and that was really when this, the whole thing about the book sort of came about. Well, so can we, if we can go back a wee bit as well, just to uh, reiterate as well, the fact that heroin is one of the worst drugs to go off, and like I've been watching like uh, videos um, just in the past few days, like of people describing what it's like because it's always been a thing for me. That again, I've never tried it. I've tried things like LSD and stuff, but heroin is like so much on a different level. I heard someone explain it to me the other day, as like it gives you so much of an effect that you feel like you need to fight and add more heroin to the point of like where um, you get to an overdose and it's all pretty much fucking ruined. Yeah. So your your, your tolerance, like like other drugs as well, your tolerance does you know it does go up. Over time as well, yeah. Um, but I mean, with regards to coming off it, um, it is hell on earth. Yeah. Certainly for the first three days of cold turkey, um, is when 
all addicts will find it the most difficult addiction to break. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the physical, the physical side of it, had enough to break that physical addiction, but mm-hmm. it, it, it's so much as mental, mental as well. Um, and that's why so many people fail when they try to detox and come off the drug. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such a mental addiction as well. Um, the, the things like with heroin, it's when it puts a cloud up over everything. Yeah. So your physical pain and your mental pain, you know, if you are depressed or suicidal like what I was or, um, if you're in a bad way and you've suffered a turmoil in your life or, or anything like that, when you start to use heroin, heroin takes that, that mental pain away. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and that's why it's such, such a problem is because to stop heroin, um, that, that comes back. And for some people, it can just be unbearable. Um and they, they will relapse, but certainly, I mean, the physical, the physical, the first few days when off heroin go, going cold turkey, um, it is really bad, and it is a, it is a, a very much a physical, mm-hmm. a physical thing where your body, your body's just shutting down. It's crying out for that drug, um, and then once if you relapse, which I did twelve times, um, if you relapse. And you go and take that drug. It's the most amazing feeling when you take it. Yeah. Because you've been sitting and you've been physically, you're physically in pain at this point. You're you're obviously mentally in pain as well. And you take the drug, and it's you know it, it's just that amazing feeling where it just takes all your physical pain away, but it also takes your mental pain away. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's that that's why the draw to the drug is so. High. That's why so many, and uh, that's why we have so many heroin addicts in the UK. Oh. As for that reason, is because it does um, an amazing job of clouding your mind and cloud, clouding on mm-hmm. in your life. Could um, you could you like go back? And, the, sorry, man. Sorry. Uh, if you can go back, right? Because and I hate I hate to bring this up. I know you you've sort of cleared your mind of it the past the past few years, but. Um, I've never actually been able to, like, can you describe what actually happens during a heroin hit? It's it's one of those things that, um, if you imagine feeling sleepy, Mm -hmm. but, I mean, that's that's only, uh, I'm just trying to think of the best way to describe it. Uh, people who have not taken heroin. I, I suppose it's like trying um, to describe taking acid as well. Like it's like it's really fucking hard to describe these things. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it isn't it? You, you never. I'm never going to be able to put it in words that yeah. actually going to do it justice. You know, to make people think, oh, I can imagine what that's like, and that uh, must be horrible. Um, it just it puts you in your own world, uh, and. Even although, even times when you're very conscious, um, you know, you, your eyes are shut and you're drooling out of your mouth. Um, just that, all, all your muscles just, um, 
all your muscles are just so relaxed that you know that's why you're, you ever see heroin addicts and stuff. That's why you often see their faces drop and stuff mm-hmm. because all the muscles in their face. And it's just when you're like that. that is? Um, yeah, it's just it's just that it's just that like that, that muscle relaxing that happens, and that's why your 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 face just it drops, and then even even the dribbling dribbling from your mouth, mm-hmm. um, which obviously I done I done many times, but also I witnessed my friends all doing it. Where if you were if you were sleeping and you seen someone sleeping, mm-hmm. you, you would seldom ever see them like dribbling from their mouth out of their mouth um, you know like normal normal people would, would normally wouldn't do that but like all my heroin addict friends they all done it and that was sort of when I realised you know, I'm, I'm, I do that as well um, and it's just because you're so relaxed too relaxed I suppose oh. um, you just become you just become too relaxed um, and it's 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 more for me, it was like more a, more of a, a mental thing. Yeah, like I became sleepy. Um, I couldn't keep my, my eyes open. Um, but it was more a mental thing where prior to taking it, even when I was a heroin addict and I was going, to, going out to get my hit, looking for heroin, mm-hmm. you know, it is a shame that I was a heroin addict and I was still... Um, depressed. I was still feeling suicidal, and when I would take that drug, all those thoughts and feelings disappeared for that time when I was on heroin. Yeah. So it was so easy. It was so such an easy decision for me to make back then. Was um, whenever I, whenever anything bad. Whenever anything bad happened or anything negative in my life happened, heroin was my friend. Mm. It allowed me to no be worried or no be sad or no be angry. It wasn't anything. You know, I wasn't ashamed. I didn't have those sorts of feelings. I was in my own little bubble, mm-hmm. in my own head. And at, at the time, everything's all hunky-dory. Uh, you, you didn't you, you didn't have the stress or you just you didn't feel anything you didn't your your emotions are very much taken away and if you're an emotional man like like what I am and certainly like what I was it was such a nice feeling just to not be like that for a while so mm-hmm. I suppose that's where I suppose that's where my to the drug came from was. You became emotionless, I suppose. Yeah. So, stories like that sort of put into perspective, like, I, I don't know if it's the same everywhere, but in Scotland there's a big sort of quote-unquote anti-junkie uh, viewpoint where people will shame people that are heroin addicts, or not even heroin addicts, just drug addicts in general, mm-hmm. or alcoholics who will pretty yeah. much shame people into what I imagine is them going to take more drugs. Is that the sort of thing that would happen? Did you ever experience stuff like that? Do you mean like do you, do you mean going like taking more drugs than other types of drugs? No, no, I mean like so on Facebook you see people picking on folk that are clearly on drugs of some sort. They're high, they're unable to defend themselves, and it's just bullying. 
did you ever experience things yeah. like that? So it was like people that are attacking what they see as somebody that's lower than them. Yeah, definitely. Like for back when I was on it, we didn't really have social media. Um, you know, so I didn't really obviously experience it on your Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and stuff, but certainly in society, um, I was spat on because because of the way I looked initially, you know, it was quite clear that I was a drug addict, a junkie, if you like, uh. um, a scumbag, which is is what society had me down as. So it was the same wherever I went. When I went to the shops, I went to the doctors, I went to the hospital, um, just out in public, people would always make comments as I'm as I'm passing make comments to my face um, you know just generally be horrible just be generally be horrible to me because you know I was on drugs and unfortunately you know society has it down that if you're if you're on drugs and you're a drug addict you are a scumbag no. you will rob for your granny and you will rob at knife point, and you will steal and lie, and everybody is the same. It's what you're taught the, at school. It's alcohol. Sorry. It's what you're taught at school, basically. Yeah, and it is, and and everybody's all put in the same boat, and it doesn't matter what your it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what you actually do on a daily basis. Whilst you're an addict. How you how you source the money to get your drugs? It doesn't matter, you know, where you go take your drugs, how you take your drugs. It doesn't matter to stay. You're you're just you're just deemed as a scumbag regardless, um, and that's it's unfortunate that that people have to live with that stigma. Certainly, people similar to myself that didn't go out and didn't go out and rob people, didn't steal for their granny, and didn't do all those horrible things you know they're still branded with the same stick if you like that um, do do that and if they say they don't do that they're lying because they're a drug addict there was no uh, you couldn't have won no. you couldn't have won even sort of I remember being back when I was on heroin um, and having arguments with people and stuff and you know you're wasting your time trying to you're wasting your time trying to explain to people Certainly, when you're on that drug, you're just wasting your time. So, before long, you give up. You give up on society. They've given up on you. So, you just give up on them and you just try your best to disregard all the horrible comments and all the horrible remarks and everything like that. You just, again, it's one of those things where heroin helps in that instance. You know, you can have, I've had like many an argument. I've had many um, an argument over the years um, and I've been sort of bullied and picked on and and all that I've thought through that whole argument is I can't, I can't wait to get heroin because I, I knew that once I took heroin the fact that I'd just been bullied or what or didn't matter uh. you know it, it would have just it would have been it would have been something that I would have instantly forgot about um, but uh, it was a regular occurrence 
and unfortunately it still is to this day for people. Um, you know, I think they think kid, they call me a smackhead. You know, and that's the, that's the, that's the reality. Of it. And that's after you know that's after like well sixteen years, sixteen years that it's been sixteen and a half years since I've touched the heroin, and who, um, you know, just so, so narrow-minded that even although I went on and joined the army and done all, all everything that I've done, um, they will still have me down as a heroin addict. I have noticed that there is a few guys sort of locally that uh, we know as like ex-heroin addicts and that's all they'll ever be in, fucking, in some people's minds and it's, it must be jarring as hell. Constantly had to go it, and you, you was it you like three, fifteen, sixteen years you were off it, and to just have that fucking yeah. reminder constantly. Well, the problem is that the people, you, like, some of the times you don't even know they're heroin addicts. That's the it, eye. It's just it. they look a certain way, so it's aye. oh, that's a junkie, and there's no other. And the problem is that these people have already decided that they're better than you, mm-hmm. and that's that's yeah. their, they're in their mind they think they're better. And they're going to stop all the junkies. That's in their head. Aye, aye. And what in reality, what's happening is they're causing heroin addiction to get worse. And also, no doing anything Definitely. to help in aye. any sense. They think they're helping straight away by going, "Oh, you're a smart kid. You need help." Aye. That doesn't help anyone. It doesn't help anybody with anything. No. Just pointing out an issue well, doesn't help. If you look to Portugal, and I've only just been made aware of this over the last two or three weeks myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched that as a it's called um, TED, TED Talks. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. I've seen that I've seen it on YouTube video, and um, he made me aware of what they're doing in Portugal, where they're actually working with the addicts, mm-hmm. and they're encouraging them. Obviously, they're encouraging them to get better, but they're trying to make them the sort of an part of society. And the crime rate, the crime rate in Portugal at the moment is down 50% since they started this new programme, since they started this programme that actually addicts as opposed to, um, like you just said there, writing them off, you know. And that the reality is, as an addict, as a heroin addict or an alcoholic, the reality is if, if you're given a hard time, and you're picked on and you're bullied, the reality is that as an addict, you are going to be drawn to a drug, whether it be alcohol or heroin, it doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. You're going to be drawn to that drug because, like I said earlier, it clouds all that horrible things that have happened, all the emotions and stuff are taken away. And you can imagine that when addicts are going out in the streets, wherever they're going, you know, imagine if you are two days clean or a week clean mm-hmm. and you're trying your hardest to break this addiction, but you still look the same. You, mm-hmm. you actually look worse because your body has sort of started to shut down because it's crying out for a drug that you're not giving it. So you, you look bad. And, you know, all it takes is for one member of society to have a go at you in a bad way or try and bully you in the street say horrible things to you 
that person is likely going to go away and get drugs because of the way that they... And that's going to... Con- the way things are right now, that's going to continue to happen mm-hmm. and addiction is going to get worse in this country before they get any better. And I, I hope somebody in power sees sense that's not working. You know, mm-hmm. heroin is going to go away. It's not going to disappear. As much as you try and disregard heroin addicts in society, they're not going anywhere. You know, you're still going to see them in the chemist. You're still going to see them at the shops, at the supermarkets, when you're there with your family and kids. And I get that it's not very nice, you know, for your kids certainly to see people like that. It's, it's not nice, but um, we need to help them. We can't just we can't just say right, well, all you tens, hundreds of thousands of people that are on drug, um, we're just going to kid on like you don't exist. And if you come too close. We're going to say you're a scumbag and a thief and a liar, and that's how it's going to be. Which is how it, which it is, pretty much how it, how it, how it is at the moment. Sorry, mm-hmm. um, how it is, um, and it doesn't work. You know, same with the methadone program doesn't work. I've seen um, I've seen guys like um, I think it was a couple of years ago I heard this story, and it was a guy that just he came out the. The chemist after getting a, a methadone hit, and a couple of guys thought it would be quite funny to kick fuck out the guy, and that was like they yeah. sort of they put up on Facebook and stuff, and they were all talking about it everywhere, and it's it's pretty fucking shitty, man. Oh, because the heroin addict is bad. Because the heroin addict is bad. The guy is, yeah, that makes them kill why fucking stupidity, man. Geniuses. But then the reality, the reality is now with social media the way that it is. Um, that if, if, if a video that made Facebook, certainly Facebook, mm-hmm. if you put somebody put that up on Facebook and the comments over a week, it wouldn't take you very long to find a lot of people saying, well, they deserve it. Oh, definitely, aye. Because of the scum of the earth, that they're leeching off a society, we pay for. We pay for their methadone, so um, and it not take you long for people, um, trolls and stuff. You know, it wouldn't take you long for people to start hating on the person who's actually getting a kick in for no reason. Right. You, you do get nice people, you know. You do get nice people in the world, and, and I've, I've found that finding that myself over the last eight months. Mm-hmm. There is lovely people that that don't think that, um, and it's nice to see. And there's always obviously also people like myself that have kicked their addictions for a long time. And that's also nice to see. It's just that you know, certainly these these, these young people, you know, seventeen, eighteen year olds, their life's barely started. They've made a wrong decision in life for whatever reason, doesn't matter. They've made a wrong decision like we all do in life. But unfortunately that's highly addictive. And then it's taken over. It's taken over their life, but they could potentially still go on to achieve great things in their life if they just had a little bit of help, a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of guidance, and you know they could they could break their addictions and then they could go on to achieve 
follow their dreams, they whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. I've done it, so I'm proof. So what that's what, no, uh, and I'll know how. Therefore, so the, if you we, know, we, oh, sorry, when you go. <laughs> sorry, mate. Sorry. Right, uh, so basically, if we move away from the negative side, let's move on to the positives. Um, what, um, yeah, what made what made you decide basically to just get fucking off? Because you said you you tried uh, like fifteen times or something, you relapsed a good few times. What finally made you decide this is it? I'm changed my life. What happened that was different to the other times? So the, t- the times it was twelve times, twelve or thirteen 12. times that I relapsed, and every time. Every time I relapsed, I promised my parents, I promised every, all, all my family and friends, I promised them that I was going to stop. Give me £20, this will be the last time, I promise. And I meant it to the bottom of my heart. Mm-hmm. Genuinely meant um, And it never worked. I, was, I wasn't ready. I didn't actually believe that I was capable of stopping. Um, you know, and then... I went and done a course um, with Sidanian. It's a homeless charity in, in Edinburgh. I done mm-hmm. I done a course for uh, three weeks, and then it was one week residential and down in a big mansion and bigger. And it was a course to do with the mind, how powerful the mind is, how the mind works, and all this sort of stuff. And back then, when I was an addict, I sort of disregarded what I was being taught, or so I thought. I didn't think I was taking it in. Um, when I finished that course, I went back to taking drugs again. But two or three months after the course, um, I woke up and I, and, I, and I felt something was different. I didn't want to be a heroin addict. Nobody wants to be a heroin addict or a methadone addict or a Valium addict. And I was all those things. And mm-hmm. I, didn't want, I didn't want to be that person. Um, and... What that course had taught me was that I, I decide. Mm-hmm. Nobody else. No, 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 my parents, no, my friends, no, the government, no, the doctor, no, the counsellor. They didn't decide when I quit heroin. I decide. And basically, what I'd done for that course for that week was I took what I'd learned and, and I applied it to my addiction. It wasn't meant. It wasn't. It wasn't designed for addicts. It was designed just in general, you know, for general mental health. Mm-hmm. It was that. That. That was the reason it was designed, and to show people about the mind and how you control every single decision that you make in your life. And once I realised that, that morning when I would normally take all my drugs, I knew something was different, and I was. I asked myself the question. What do you want? And without a hesitation, I don't want to be a drug addict. Mm-hmm. Don't want to take heroin ever again. And I looked in the mirror, and you may or may not have heard this, because I'm certainly getting about, but um, <laughs> I put my nose onto the mirror. I, put my, I looked straight in my eye with a bit of aggression in my voice. And I shouted, don't fucking ask for heroin ever again because you're never getting any. And when I said it, um, something amazing happened that 
I hurt myself. And I believed it. And then it became an instant that I'd made that I will never, ever touch that drug again. And I knew instantly, which is crazy. You know, and certainly everybody that I've told the story to thinks it's, it, it, it's amazing but unique. But that was the way that happened. Is I knew instantly at that moment I got goosebumps all over my body and I had all the drugs in my house ready to be taken. And I, ran, I remember sitting down, having my cup of tea and looking at all the drugs on the table. And I, and I finished my cup of tea and I was like, I've done it. I'm never touching that. Right, so I don't know if you've already answered this question or not, because it might have caught, but uh, what was it you done with the drugs after you'd sort of looked at them? What did, what, what, sorry, what did, you mean, what, did I, what, so, what did I do with them? Aye, so you, uh, at one point you were sitting with a cup of tea and you were just looking at the drugs that you had. At that point, what yeah. did, you, did you put them in the bin? I, I'm not really sure how you... No. Everybody... No. And that was important. It was important that I didn't because um, I wanted to be, you know, it was to prove to prove to myself it was a, it was an amazing thing to go through cold turkey and have the drugs there that would make me feel better. Right. Physically and mentally. It was an important, it was an important part in, in my recovery, you know, and that's that's a dangerous thing, obviously, because so many people do relapse. So, you know, it's like dangling a carrot under under the nose a little bit. But mm. for me, certainly, I was ready. I want I wanted to stop so bad. And when I had that moment in the mirror, and I realised that I'm never touching that drug, um, I was only off heroin for just over a week, and I went. And my friends, they went to get heroin and they sat and smoked heroin in front of me while I was still going cold, I was still going through cold turkey Jesus. and I never touched it. And that was, I remember getting out of the car and I had a spring in my step on my way back home. I remember physically still being in a lot of pain, but I remember in my head and my mind, I was just so pleased and so proud of myself. And I had a little spring in my step and I thought, you know what? Like, every day that every day it's getting better. Every day the physical symptoms are easing up. And every day I'm still waking up with a strong mindset that I don't, you know, I don't need to drink. Just have to get through the physical turmoil. And because I, because I was mentally strong, the physical turmoil that I went through in comparison to times prior, much easier. Mm-hmm. Because, of, because of anxiety and um, anxiety and paranoia and stuff, or, you know, you can, you, you can actually make, you can actually make your cold turkey episodes a lot, lot worse. If you're sort of, no, I'm thinking. You, you know, you get into two, day two or day three, and then suddenly you start thinking, "Oh, this is really bad. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it." You're self-talking yourself in a negative way, but the likelihood is that you're, you're going to be thinking about that drug 
in a way that it's going to help, it's going to make you feel, it's going to take. And a moment of weakness is all it takes is for you to go and take those, those drugs and then put you back to square one. And I think that that's, that was why I left the drugs on the table for the whole time. Um, and I think a few weeks, I think I gave them away. I gave them to one of my friends. I didn't bin them. I gave them to one of my friends who was um, called Turkey. In. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they were, they were like, just as, they were just as bad as me. And it was one of the, where I still had the friends, Mm-hmm. But I didn't want to be, I didn't want to be around them because they were, they were just using every day. Mm-hmm. They weren't trying to stop the, you know, the, the drug bus. There would be a drug bus, and then they would come to me for money, and I was like, "Well, I've not got any money." And they're like, oh, "Please come on, just a fiver, just a tenner. We'll give you a back." You know, it'd be groups of three or four of them would be banging at my door. And then I would just give them, I would give them my tablet, my um, codings and stuff that I had, or I'd give them my methadone and say, this is all I've got. Take it. I didn't need it anymore. And then, you know, by, by that point, I was already, you know, my physical, my physical withdrawals were already hidden by then anyway. And I knew... It was, I was just focusing on myself, focusing on my own mind and focusing on keeping, keeping myself clean and keeping myself positive. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, it stuck and it worked. Um, but it was, you know, it's not easy, but it's possible. The way that I've done it is possible. Um, I'm qualified to be a support worker and I'm told not to talk about this story right. I'm not allowed I'm not allowed to talk about it right why hence why I'm doing what I'm doing um, because once I told the drug counsellors my story and I said look I want to share my story with the world and I want everyone to know that it's possible to do it the way that I've done it because I didn't believe I'm that special that I'm the only person that walks around in this air that is possible to do it the way that I've done it. And they said, we understand that, Paul, but unfortunately, if you tell your story, you're going to put so much pressure onto the addict that can't do it the way that you've done it. And because your story is so unique, we don't want you to tell the people that you're going to be working with the way you've done it. And, you know, I disagreed. I understood why they were saying that, but I disagreed. Uh, it and, seems a bit unfair. Because it's just another option, sort of thing, of, of stuff that people uh, can do. Exactly. And that's the point that I was making to them, was that, you know, we can still, we can still advise them about tapering off, mm-hmm. doing a slow, slow reduction, and, and, and doing, doing all the things that the doctor recommends you to do. We can still do that, but it's... I've, it's such an important message. Oh, it's an option. Because yeah. to me, if I was in that situation, I would be great to hear like the tapering off thing sounds a lot healthier. Uh, but to yeah. fucking at least hear the story because I'm, I'm sure there's 
probably loads of stories where people well, have just went cold turkey like and went you. stay on with it. And obviously, you've never been on heroin or anything, but like... Oh, you're going to liken this to smoking, because I was going to do that and then I shied but I, away. But it's a much... <laughs> I understand it's a much weaker... But I don't feel like you could uh, lessen your intake and then slowly stop over a period of time. No, nah, no, nah, totally you, nah. you need that method. Because mm-hmm. I'm in the middle of stopping smoking right now, which I know should not be put in the same realm as what you went through. But it's, it's also difficult, is yeah. what I could say. I feel like everybody... It's, it's still an addiction. Oh. So I... Is it, so what I, think we, it, I think I think it is important. It's an important message that it has to be... It has to be... Um, it has to be pushed out there because mm-hmm. there's no doubt in my mind that there are people that will hear my story and will try and do it the way that I've done it and they will succeed. Mm-hmm. I, could, I mean, it's happened before. There's like, there's other stories that has happened before, like with cold turkey and stuff. And it's just, again, it's just another additional story for somebody different in the world, different life experiences, and to hear that is fucking awesome. I would imagine, as if I was in that situation, hearing this story would at least fucking help in some way. Uh. Well, it gives you a chance, doesn't it? It uh. gives you a, an opportunity to try a different option. Because maybe you've tried tapering off before, or maybe you've tried the other things that the drug counsellors recommend you to do, and each time it's not worked. Maybe you are waiting and hoping that there is an option, and maybe that is it. Maybe the option, the way that I've done it, maybe that is the option that that person's waiting to hear. Like, rather than farting about trying to taper off over the space of a month, like... I'm just doing it. Oh. I'm not listening to anybody else. I'm just doing it. And I'm going to look at myself in the mirror and I'm going to tell myself, like what Paul done, that I'm not taking that drug ever again. And I'm going to hope that it sticks. And, you know, it may not stick for everyone because some people just aren't ready. Mm-hmm. There's a thing... But, but, there's, there's a thing we've spoken about before and, and this relates to, like, teaching... But um, it's a thing called the click. Basically, when you get taught something uh, over a certain amount of time, there's a thing that happens in your brain. You just get like a click, and then automatically, you like everything you've learned just comes to fruition, and you're like, "Oh, fucking, I, I get this." It's like an epiphany, yeah. like an epiphany sort of thing. But we we call it yeah. the click because I find uh-huh. it better that yeah, way. It's easier, eh? and it would be awesome, like because somebody could just listen to this podcast, hear you talking, and say you meant because you mentioned the mirror thing, they've been like, "Fuck." Like a, a click just fucking happens in their head, and then that automatically just makes them go. I mean, fuck that it. that mirror story sounds like the click. Definitely, aye, aye. Like that was your your moment, your epiphany. Mm-hmm. Is just fuck these drugs. I could deal with it, and that's it. Yeah, and it's. And I suppose it's pro. It's, it's proper self talk and to an extreme. Oh. You know, you look. You're looking in your eyes, and the words. The words that you're speaking, um, you mean it. You mean it 100%. There's no point in doing it. You know, there's no, there's no point in going to the mirror and, and do it and trying what I try if you really want to get clean 100%. It's pointless, you know? Mm-hmm. Because that element of doubt, 
um, and that element uh, of, yeah, I do want, oh, heroin make me feel so good right now. Mm. Now, it's not going to work for you, but there are people that are in really bad places now that really didn't want to be on these drugs, methadone, alcohol, heroin. They didn't want to be there, and they're crying out for help. And mm-hmm. these people, I believe, are the people that I'm trying to, these are the people that I'm trying to reach. These genuine people that, that are ready to stop and stay stopped for the rest of their lives. That's the people that I'm trying to reach. And give them this story and and maybe maybe they can follow the exact follow the exact thing that I've done um, you know and I'm going to be sharing that course that I've done about the mind mm-hmm. um, I'm going to be sharing that as well and I'm going to be integrating my as an addict into that folder specifically to reach the addict you know, whereas I'd done that course and it was just about the mind, I want to rewrite it, and I want to implement all these all these tips and tricks that I use to break my addiction and republish, and then have have all these rehab clinics and not even rehab clinics, just have it on sale, like what my book is on Amazon, so that mums and dads and sons and daughters go on Amazon and spend five pounds. And buy this folder, the folder and give it to the loved one who is struggling. And it may just be the best five pound they'll ever have spent in their life. Well, this is one of one of the ideas for getting you on as well. Is that like I'm under no illusion that uh, a heroin addict is going to be subscribed to a podcast. Um, as much as they're not going to be listening to a lot of podcasts in the situation yeah. they're in. But the fact that they can go out and get a book that's out there that is that's the helping piece. That's it, like a, a loved loved one, a family member, or something like that could actually get the book, pass it on to them, and that's sort of the way you. I would imagine you would would like to handle that. Well, I've I've had hundreds, even yeah, I've had hundreds of messages, or certainly the last few months, from vigils. Like mum, dad, sons, and uncles, mm-hmm. all buying the book and all giving it to someone in their life who's struggling. My book's in the prison library. That's a great place and, for it to be as well. That's brilliant. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I'm 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 going into the, I'm going into the prisons across Scotland to do talks after COVID. Um, you know, and I'm going to be out on 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 the road. We going round to all these schools, colleges, um, everywhere. Um, but you know, the book is obviously a story in my life. But what I really want to do is I really want to rewrite this folder and have it specifically made up um, for an addict. Yeah. Obviously, my book tells a story in my on drugs, then joining the army, then breaking my back, then ending up on prescription medications and, and so forth, what my what my plans are for the future and stuff. But I think that what I really need to do is, is do that, get this folder and, and and rewrite it, rewrite it so that it's designed in a way that an addict will understand. Um, you know, and that, that, that's 
hundred percent. I see the future. That, that that's where I can't go canceling everybody one to one. I can't be on social media time answering messages and, and doing live videos, do podcasts and stuff. And I can't, you know, I can't do the one to ones where I think if I make if I make this this book or folder um, and have it there. Mm-hmm. Forever more, you know. It's like my book. My book will be here, God, um, and I'm sure it will. So will heroin, and I'm sure that my book will still help people long after I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, I want to do that with my fo- with this folder as well, as I want to rewrite it and make it, you know, just a, a helping tool. Give us some. Give these people a glimmer of hope at least. Beautiful. So I've heard from some other addicts that they just happen to have an addictive personality. So their way to get rid of one addiction was to find another one. So some people, like, it's a terrible example, but uh, Pritchard from uh, Dirty Sanchez, he was addicted to multiple things. I think he was an alcoholic and he was addicted to a few drugs. And uh, he dropped all those addictions and instead became addicted to running. Is that similar to why yeah. you got into fitness and then ended up joining the army and stuff like that? Was that a, a similar situation? Yeah. Very much so, mate. It was that. It was... Um, I didn't realise then um, that, I had, that I had become addicted to fitness and I had become addicted to running. To lifting weights, and I'd become addicted to boxing. I didn't realise it was just my life, and every day when I was doing those things, I felt good. I felt a little bit of pride, um, and obviously physically, I was getting stronger and stronger as the weeks were going on. Um, it wasn't until later on, when I was actually at the doctors, and. You know, but at this point I was clean, I was healthy. I went for a checkup or something. I was talk, talk, talking about the army or something, and they says, "Well, you've got an addictive personality, so obviously that you know that part of, that side of it served you well because you've just you've just changed your addiction." And that was sort of like, and I was like, "Ah," and I think back, you know, that's exactly what I've done. Is that um, because I've got an addictive personality? Basically, what I had to do was find an alternative, but a positive alternative. And that's and that's a, a done with the running and lifting weights or boxing. That that you know, that just became a new a new obsession. And but it was a good one. Mm-hmm. It was a one that wasn't frowned on in society and encouraged and you know a lot of people will have addictive personality. And I've got a support group on Facebook and I tell them all, tell everybody, every single member that I've got. Like if you're struggling and you're bored or you're lonely or you're thinking about using again or whatever it is, whatever this negative draw in your head is, you have to replace that void with something. Mm-hmm. And why not pick a positive thing? Reading, writing, drawing, 
chess, badminton, it doesn't matter what it is. Just find something in life that you enjoy to do and go and do it. And it means you go and do it every day, then so be it. You enjoy doing it. That's why you've picked that. That's why you've picked that thing. Because you get a lot out there and you get a lot of positivity in your own mind out doing it. So find that little thing in, that you love doing and go and do it. And, and you know, for all those times for all the times that you're doing that and you're positive in your own mind, guess what? You're no you're no thinking about drugs. Because mm-hmm. you're thinking about you're thinking about playing badminton or you're thinking about um, art or writing or whatever it is you're thinking about that your 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 mind is focused solely on that positive thing um, and for all that time that you're focused on that positive thing drugs aren't even a second thought they're non-existent in your mind mm-hmm. so can I ask just to go back to your uh, your story as well just um, what was it you done in the army What's it you done uh, specifically? What was your job there? You so I was in the Scottish Guards. Um, so basically, I was... Well, I've done ceremonial duties, which involved going down Buckingham Palace with my red tunic, my bear, and my rifle, and standing outside Buckingham Palace. Well, you were one of the guys. The Tower of London, and... St James's Palace so they were the four places that I used to guard um, and I'd done that for nine months down in London which I had an absolutely awesome time uh, it was like a dream to be uh, honest is that yeah. part is that part of the thing where people come up to you and fuck with you basically. fuck with you aye uh. yeah oh fuck so, that I could never no, do I could that I never do that I think fuck I would stab no. people <laughs> But you can hit the members of the public with the butt of your rifle. Oh, well, that's good. Is that oh, <laughs> Perfect. I want if to people get too close, <laughs> you know, if people get too close, then you, you'll say, um, stand back from the Queen's Guard. And then if they ignore you um, and, they, and, and they keep um, pestering you, you can hit them with the butt of your rifle. Right. So... I think there people forget that, but, that you're yeah, that like a trained, you're a trained soldier still. Aye. Like the, the people seem to think that you're just a prop. You're still mm-hmm. a trained soldier. Aye. Is the gun loaded? No. No. Right. But so you're but still. That's the, that's the thing that growing up, I mean, there's ar- there's armed police there everywhere we are. There's armed police, then right, they, okay. and their guns are loaded, but <laughs> or the right the, the rifles, but. Um, a thing where when I was growing up and I looked and I seen um, a guardsman he looked like a toy soldier right mm-hmm. right he wasn't a real soldier soldier he was a toy soldier mm-hmm. um, and I realised when I joined the guards that that couldn't be further through the truth because the Scots guards are on the front line they get you know they, they get sent in first and they, they're at the spear they're at the tip of the spear when we, when, I, when we go fighting anywhere in the world, they're, they're, that's where they go. And I was like, a lot of people don't understand, like, a lot of people don't realise that. They think that, you know, they just see these guys down in Buckingham Palace and think that's their job. 
that's all they do. Mm-hmm. I'm one of them, to um, be honest. I, that's really genuinely what I thought eh, for, a, for a lot of years. Yeah. And so did I. When I was growing up, mate, to be fair, I thought exactly the same thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until I was in the Army Recruitment Office um, that, I, that, that was when I became aware that, you know, I, you will go down and you will stand at, say, Buckingham Palace for, um, and do all your ceremonial duties, and then you'll go to battalion, and then you'll continue your your training, and then you'll get shipped over to wherever it is, wherever it is that they go, mm-hmm. um, anywhere in the world to fight. So, aye, it is definitely an eye opener for a lot of people. Um, you know, even even probably in the last eight months with my book, people see me with my red tunic on, a picture of me with my, with my red tunic. Mm. My bare skin, and they probably didn't didn't realise that, you know, I'm a fully trained soldier. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm, I'm, tra- I'm trained to kill effectively. Right. You know, and that the ceremonial side there is just a it's just a tradition. In the guardsman, have, you, know, have, you, have that, you ever had to? They, have you ever had to pistol whip a few people? <laughs> oh fucking question! Love it. Have I ever had to what? Sorry, pistol whip a few people, rifle whip. <laughs> No, no, I've never, I've never, I've never done it. I've, a few of my friends in London have done it when there was a couple of German guys got too close. Right, damn German um, again. Eh? And they were, they were marching, they were marching alongside them, and there were way two girls, and these two guys were joking and laughing, and they were marching alongside us, um, and. My mate told my mate said, right, you better fuck off. And they just kept doing it. Right? Oh God. And it's because these girls were laughing. And then he stopped and he shouted, step back from the Queen's Guard. And they got a fright, but they continued. They continued yeah. to sort of like take the piss at them and stuff. And then he belted them with the butt of his rifle. <laughs> um and then the police come over and arrested the two Germans. I could imagine them just. I could imagine them because they've been thinking all that time. Oh, it's just a little toy soldier. Nothing's going to happen. See this. And then is, bang. This is why I'm reality, against the reality fucking stuff. Hits. Because these are trained people mm-hmm. who are put on essentially display, right. and then dickheads who are trying to get their hole are <laughs> taking the piss. That's exactly the type of people, right? Like that's. Oh no! I couldn't do that. No, I, mm. I, I think I'd have the the patience to. Not instantly pistol whip, bitches. Aye, I know, and again, again, it is. There is, there's videos on YouTube and stuff. Of them doing that, aye, um, aye. you know, and and it is a common occurrence that the, the tourists just get carried away. Aye. They just get away, and, and and they have that perception that the soldier can't move for a start. Mm. Once he's standing still, we can go and do what we want. We can poke him with a stick, and he'll not be able to move. Um, you know, and I've heard, I've heard people say that. Aye. You know, I've said you'll not be poking anybody with a stick. <laughs> oh, oh, he spoke. He spoke. You know, I didn't know. It. Not... I didn't think he was out to speak. I thought they had to stand there and and like, well, try poking me with a stick, or even you know? wash. And then. Uh, uh, like the amateur lawyers, sorry, my bad. On you go. It's just one of those things eh, that, that 
again, like when you're growing up, you just believe that that's that's what they're like. That the that just this statue, and you can do whatever they want. You can do whatever you want to them, and they won't move. And they'll move. <laughs> you know, no. they will move. Um, if you if you encroach their personal space and you didn't listen to the warning, um, stepping back to the Queen's Guard, then um, if they've got to warn you, like by using their voice in an aggressive manner, enough to give you a no, right? And you're just not taking heed to the warning. Mm-hmm. Then so be it. If you know if he brings his rifle up, he back you off and move you away. Um, you know, so and again, aye, again, those are the exact types of people that think they're better than the junkies. Aye, aye. The exact type of fucking person, douchebags, man. Yeah, yeah. Awful. Agree with that. Awful. Come full circle there. Come full. There was a callback. There was a uh, callback there. It is decades the whole time. Decades circle, man. Mm. So you call that? Yeah. <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I so um, what got you into the idea of writing a book? Did did somebody mention it, or like did you read something somewhere that like made you want to do it? What happened? Well, for for joining the army. Oh no! I mean, like what what made you get into writing the book? Your book. Oh, the book. Oh. Sorry, you were you were for you, but it was. That's okay. Was. The book actually came around. The idea of writing the book was when I was in the army, basic training. Mm-hmm. Um, I was talking about my heroin addiction to everyone, basic training, all ranks, all the officers and everything were all listening. And, you know, they just said, you should write a book. And is that part of my rehabilitation was writing down how I feel. Mm-hmm. And I would write down everything, and I I managed. Yeah, I kept all the paper, everything that I was writing down, and then when I was going home on weekend leave and stuff for the army, I was still training. Um, but I was I was getting home, and I and I realised that after I leave the army, I'm going to write a book, and I'm going to call it Hero into Hero. Um, because the idea of a hero to me growing up was a and but unfortunately because of the circumstances where I broke my back I never got to go with my tour to Afghanistan it was two months two months two months prior I was pre pre pre-deployment training and and I broke my back and crushed my spine and then I ended up, prolific. I ended up like, um, oh, well, that's it now. I'm not fucking able to write a book because I'm not a hero. So I never, I, I, put, I never bothered with the book. I put the book away in the drawer and left it to gather dust for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eight months ago, um, at, right at the beginning of the lockdown, I was like, well, let me I said, okay, well, I'm going to get the book out and stuff. And then I started like, writing again. Writing about everything happened in my life since the army. And I just started writing. And I thought, you know what? I sat up for three nights. And 
another sweat for the for the, the three nights. I just sat with a pen and paper <clears> listening <throat> to music, writing and writing and writing. And after the three days, I I drew it all. It was all finished. And then I self published on Amazon. Mm-hmm. I've enjoyed this sto- this story so much. I was kind of worried about it, like sort of bringing up stuff, and I, I don't know how in depth you wanted to go with certain questions and stuff. Oh, so I'm yeah. glad we've kind of. We seem to have covered a lot of what I wanted to ask. Well, part of my curiosity is the fact that um, pretty much I've taken zero drugs. You, and you've never really had an addiction, really. Well, I'm fat, so food. But that's technically an addiction, <laughs> I suppose. But like, aye. But no, really. Apart have from you, that. So, have you heard anything specifically in this that has been like, it's about an eye opener for, like, as far as addiction goes and stuff. I mean, like, well, I've heard a few people talking about withdrawal symptoms, and it's never fully, like, I, I can't comprehend the idea of withdrawal symptoms because I've never had mm-hmm. that situation, like, I, I didn't even really drink, oh. and so, so I, I guess a question I've got is, you said that you were a heroin addict for uh, seven years, did you say, right, is that seven years? Aye, seven years, mate, yeah. Right. And then withdrawal symptoms, like how quick, basically, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, basically, I think the question I want to ask is, how often are you actually taking heroin in that seven years? Is it an everyday thing? Yeah, most most definitely, yeah. See, that blows my mind, even just financially. How much, how much, how much does it cost, like, for a hit per day, like an average? So it, work, it works in score bags, and a score's twenty pounds. But you, you, sometimes, sometimes you're you're obviously taking more than that. It depends on. See, the thing is that if if I was a if I was a heroin addict right now, and you came along and you gave me a hundred for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I would spend a hundred pounds on, and more than likely, I'm going to I'm going to take more heroin. I'm going to smoke more heroin than what I need to. Because mm. you've no, no, because I'm you know because I'm an addict, you know. Mm. So I'm going to I'm going to just take more than than what I need to take. Um, but obviously, because things get financially hard. Once you're an addict, um, as long as you get enough to take away the physical pain, um, you can sort of function. But that's never enough for an addict. Not enough right. just to take enough to take away the physical pain. You want to take. You want to be taking enough that takes away your mental pain. And to do that, you have to take more. And that's why people are always chasing that feeling. They're always wanting to try and take more because because of the mental pain. You know, you, you, you actually didn't have to take that much heroin drugs. But it's not quite hitting the spot for you as an addict. You're wanting, you're wanting more. You want to be knocked out. You want to be like semi-conscious in a semi-conscious state. That's where you want to be. And that's where you're at your happiest when you're an addict. 
See, so, this is this is always the issue that I've got is it never sounds fun. Like no. when people talk about drugs, they they talk about drugs in a way that to them it sounds fun. Like what, like when you spoke about taking acid and seeing dragons. Aye, and like, shit when like you that, when you talk like about sounds fun when you've taken us, acid and then a, a heroin addict talks about their ideal high is when they're unconscious or whatever. To me, as somebody that's never taken basically, I mean, I've smoked half a joint in my life, but that doesn't count. To anybody that's never taken drugs, it, it never sounds fun to me, and it just never sounds like something I have any interest in ever experiencing. And so, I then can't comprehend how somebody gets to that point to begin with. I mean, I've I've had like medical drugs. I've I've had nitrous oxide and I've had. Mm-hmm. Uh, morphine and stuff like that they're pretty heavy drugs but again it's it's never the same level mm-hmm. as street drugs and that that scares me a wee bit this is one of the things i think that uh, we need to break through is because there is a lot of people that like yourself can't comprehend the levels of just craziness it brings to people aye. and the fact that it doesn't sound fun aye as it comes into your head but it, it doesn't come into their heads at the time no nah. How do you feel about I've that? Like, taken, I've, I've taken crack, I've taken ecstasy, I've taken cocaine, I've taken amphetamine, I've taken um, magic mushrooms, LSD, I've taken, um, you know, I've, I've spent a long time on, on, on copious amounts of drugs, right? But the feeling that, <clears throat> the feeling that I get, you say tablet is sort of like euphoric, you know, I'm on partying, um, I'm happy, I'm laughing, I'm having a great time. Um, but when I'm taking that drug, that's, an, that's also a mind-altering drug where I can sort of be in a bad place and depressed and then I could take an ecstasy and I could be the happiest person on the face of the planet. For those for those short hours that I'm feeling that ecstasy tablet when I'm in a, in a nightclub or whatever or just listening to music, um, it's that it's that high, it's that high and that um, whatever whatever drug it is that you, that you you choose to take has consequences, yeah. and unfortunately, all drugs something and people deem it to be in a positive way you know take cocaine and then you become happy and you want to party and that's amazing because you love your life being at partying and chatting to girls and that, that this is great but the downside is that that's also having a physical effect on your body it's having a, it's having a mental effect on your mind and over time you know, you become addicted and you struggle. And once you start getting to that stage when you are mentally struggling, that's when you end up abusing other drugs. So you have uppers and downers. And then you have sort of hallucinogenic, hallucinogenic like magic mushrooms and LSD. They go in a category of their own. They're just fucking mental. They're just mental drugs. It's a great description. Um, but... <laughs> But we, we, you've got ecstasy, amphetamine, cocaine. These are, these are happy-go-lucky 
these are ones that you you know you you, you would go out and you would you could go into a pub regardless of what you look like. You didn't care you look like a heroin addict. You know, I've been many times as a heroin addict looking like shit. Because I've had some amphetamine, I've no care. I've went out and I've had the, I've had a blast and I've had a great time. Um but so you have these, these upper drugs, but then you also you also have the downer drugs like your Valium, your tramadol, your heroin. Um, you know, these these drugs are when you when you abuse them, they knock you out. They make you want to sleep. And you know, so as different ends of the scale, but ultimately both you know, both ends of the scale that they're, they're going to be detrimental to your health. Mm-hmm. And not just your physical health, your mental health. Definitely. I'm really glad that I've got <clears> a, mind, a mindset where I just have zero interest in, in it. Because, like, we, we DJ quite a lot. And so I've been offered, like, free cocaine multiple times. Like, mm-hmm. countless amounts of times I've been offered free cocaine. And I've just ne- I've never had an interest. I've been, off- I've off- been offered... Free MDMA, I've been offered free speed. I just, I'm so happy that I've got a mind state where I have no, I have zero interest in trying any of these drugs. Yeah, good for you. Quite right, mate. Keep it that way. <laughs> Wish I could just stop eating food. Keep it. That's that's my next issue. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Get if rid of just, McDonald's and KFC. If we sprinkle KFC with fucking like a cocaine, I'll be in no interest. <laughs> I just put cocaine over the top I, of KFC. Like, Done. No, that's that, you. That, None of that. Mm, I see folk that would love that too much. Though. <laughs> that's it. So I, I, I feel so lucky that that's just never... Because I feel like I'm also a person that would never... Once, I've, once I'm addicted to something, there's no way I'd ever get rid of it. I feel yeah. like that's that's my personality. Is there's no same way with gambling as well. It. We've been lucky enough to stay away from gambling and shit. And, Aye. But, uh, I, 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 addiction, because it exists everywhere on someday. Aye. I just you've no fun to I mean, get. My addiction yeah. right now is Facebook, and that's bad enough. Oof. I'm quite happy to. That's my limit. <laughs> I'll leave it there. <laughs> it but it's good that it's good that you've got that fear. You know, uh, it's good that you've got that fear because that that fear that you've got served you well in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's just unfortunate that um, a lot of people have. Probably initially I've had that fear, but for whatever reason, they've sort of, you know, they've ended up on drugs, and then they're just at that stage when they're just unable now. They're, they're un- unable to break away, and I don't believe, don't believe they can. Mm-hmm. They think it's impossible. I thought it was impossible, so I can understand and I can relate to these people uh. that just don't believe it's possible. Um, because my mum and dad and my school teachers all told me if you end up on heroin it will kill you know and yeah. isn't it isn't the case certainly not for if um, you know and that's that's sort of where my that's why why my journey that I'm on now is such a that has, that has such an important message um Obviously, with me, with me doing, with me being an for seven years, um, a lot of people will call bullshit. It was like, he was on seven, he was on heroin for seven years, 
um, and on methadone and on Valium and on all these drugs. And then he ended up going and guarding the Queen. That's lies. You know, there's people that will not, that, that, that their minds will not allow them to, to comprehend that, that that that's even possible. Yeah. Um, you know, people just would call bullshit and say, no, no, no. So, you know, as as a unique story um, that I've got to share, um, but it has got an important message, and that is that it is possible, you know, mm-hmm. and I need more people like me um, to stand up and, and share it, share in, share in this. Yeah, I see it. You know, and I've got a support group now where I've got people that have been, there was a guy that I had on um, last week he was over 30 years, he was on crack. Jesus. And heroin. And he's over 30 years clean. And he agreed to come off and him on Facebook and I invited him into my support group to do a talk. And he talked for an hour on his own, sharing his story. Um, you know, it's people like that, that's what we need. We need, we need these inspirational stories to hit the people um, that are struggling right now, to give them that little bit of hope. Everybody is going to relate to my story. So the more people that I can with similar stories, the addiction, maybe be alcohol, maybe be, um, you know, other ways of taking drugs and stuff, that rather than what I, the more people that I can sort of have stand up and share their story, um, it's going to really, really help these people that are, struggling bad right now 100% and it is you know the proof is in the pudding already in my support group I've got people breaking addictions um, every day through being in my group so I know that what I'm doing is important Um, and if I I, I only save one person I've done a good job Mm -hmm. that's it well Paul thank you for joining us man it's been much appreciated. Thanks, thanks for having me on, guys. I apologies about the the signal. I'm That's not sure if it would have been any better back at the house, but hopefully um, the audio's okay. Um, audio's been fine, man. Audio's been good. Right, and now again, you're only far away, so hopefully COVID will fuck off and uh, maybe come along and do one. That would be brilliant, actually. We much prefer face to faces when we can oh, yeah. do them. That'll be fucking amazing. Although we've had the COVID, so you've no chance of catching it. Well, that's that's a good chance. We've we are we had COVID like I think about a month ago. It'll be now. Uh, uh, so there's no chance of actually catching it off us. Done that, but we can we can certainly we can certainly um, schedule in a part two. I'm up for that. Defo, man. Defo. Well, again, uh, sorry. You uh, you want to add anything at the end? Obviously, you could promote Plug your, your book. book in that, uh, uh, no, just really to make people aware that, you know, I'm the, I'm, I'm the proud author of Hero and the Hero, and I've, um, all profits in my book go to homelessness in Scotland. Um, so that that is generally my plug. That's when you can get your real, it's because you've... Oh, oh fuck. <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a true life change spot, if you like. Alright. Alright. That's how you can hear a real guy because you've decided to instead of just take all the income and money, you'd given it away 
to fucking help a, again an equally as worthy cause. I mate, the money, the money that, that, that these people get, um, there shouldn't be fucking homelessness in the UK. Mm-hmm. That's it. There shouldn't be homelessness in 2020. But but I'm but a mega filthy rich nation, filthy rich, and the fact that we've got people in Scotland makes me ashamed. Mm-hmm. I think it's disgusting. So. Well, again, Paul, thanks, man. That that could be another discussion we could have. Like, uh, uh, sure I'd love I. to talk about that as well. Um, but yeah, now uh, for, for now we'll let you go, and we'll uh, we'll speak to you. We've got a face to face thing organised. Definitely. Aye, but looking forward to it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Definitely, man. No problem at all, Paul. Thanks again.